The Seahawks still can't get many stops on defense, but their offense saved the day in week four with the Seahawks escaping Ford Field with a thrilling 48 to 45 road victory. I'm going to be breaking that game down on our latest postcast here on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Well, that was a thrilling contest. 48 to 45, more than a thousand yards of total offense. And the Seahawks were the ones that ended up winning the game. Nobody could have anticipated that going into Sunday's matchup against the Detroit Lions. The Lions were banged up. The Seahawks had one of the worst offenses in the NFL in terms of points per game. And yet both these teams were moving up and down the field at will throughout this contest. And the Seahawks came up with a few more plays than what the Lions did. They got some points on defense. Really looking forward to diving into this game on our weekly postcast. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. So the Seahawks defense still is really struggling. They can't get stops. They give up 45 points to the Detroit Lions without Amonre St. Brown. They don't have DJ Shark. They're missing their top running back, DeAndre Swift. So three of their top playmakers in the Lions still put up a ton of yardage, 45 points, and nearly pulled off the comeback at the end of this game. But today was all about the Seahawks offense, Geno Smith and Rashad Penny leading the way. And I think this game was really all about explosives. And you look at the numbers it was both good and bad. The Seahawks holding on for a three point win in large part because they were able to generate eight plays of 20 plus yards on offense. I don't know they had that many of them in their first three games combined. And you might see on the graphic here, those of you watching on YouTube, DK Metcalf went off today. And he talked about Jeff Okuda, called him a good corner earlier this week, but he had safety help. He backed up his words today. A lot of the yardage going against Jeff Okuda, third most receiving yards he's had in a game in his NFL career had four catches of 20-plus yards in the first half alone. Rashad Penny went off in the second half with over 140 rushing yards in the final two quarters. And then on the flip side, the Seahawks did not have much success on defense once again. And this was kind of an odd game because the Seahawks came into Sunday with just one three and out the entire season. They got two of them on their first two possessions, and yet – they gave up nine points because first they had a muffed or a fumbled punt by Tyler Lockett after the first three and out. The ball goes right back to Jared Goff. Very next play, Goff hits TJ Hawkinson, who I felt like had like a thousand receiving yards in this game alone for a 32-yard touchdown. Missed extra point at 7-6. Seahawks ahead by one. Ended up getting a field goal on their next drive because they converted on a fake punt deep in their own territory. Jack Fox completing it to Quintez Cephas. For the first down, Pete Carroll tried to challenge it, and it was a bad challenge. 
did not go through. Lions go down to get a field goal. So even though Seattle had those two three and outs, they had given up nine points because of the locket fumble and giving up that conversion on that fake punt pass. So that was really the bright spot for this defense, aside from the opening play the second half when Tariq Woolen returned a golf interception 40 yards for a touchdown that ultimately was the difference in this game stealing those seven points they did get some points off of a fumble created by Kobe Bryant but you take away a few of those turnovers this is again another really rough game for the Seahawks on defense giving up eight explosives of 20 plus yards there was an 81 yard completion that was mostly after the catch for TJ Hawkinson one of the roughest plays you can ever see from defender Cody Barton. A couple of big runs mixed in there. A 51-yard touchdown run by Jamal Williams that cut the lead for the Seahawks. And so really this was kind of a microcosm of the way the season's played out. Even though the Seahawks had not scored a lot of points in the first three games, the offense has, by and large, had its good moments. And Geno Smith has surpassed expectations, had another fantastic game today with 320 passing yards. They got the run game going some today. They've been efficient with their run game, but they haven't been able to get enough carries. They haven't been able to sustain drives. That changed in Sunday's game in Detroit, and they were able to go throughout the entire game without a single punt for the first time in a regular season game in franchise history. It was that kind of a day on offense for the Seahawks. The drives that didn't work out, they got field goals. Their worst drive was one that Jason Myers, it looked like there was a 70-mile-an-hour wind that crept into Ford Field and swatted his kick about 40 yards to the left of the upright, one of the worst indoor kicks I've ever seen. But that was the only drive that they did not come away with points in this game. They didn't punt on any of their drives, so the offense was near perfect. Geno Smith was running the show with perfection orchestrating audibles, a line of scrimmage. The run game was rough the first half, but they got things going in the second half. Rashad Penny with two daggers, 36 and 41-yard touchdowns on third down. One of those plays coming after refs gave the Seahawks a redo. You can hear the whistle when they were getting ready to run the play that ultimately was an incomplete pass on third down. They would have had to settle for a field goal. They got a mulligan there, and then the very next play on a draw, Rashad Penny goes 36 yards for the touchdown. So Seattle caught some breaks, that certainly being the biggest one. This is a game where there was a lot of yellow on the field, a lot of penalties on both sides, not a lot of defense being played by either side, and ultimately the Seahawks were able to make a few plays more than what the Detroit Lions did. And really that Tariq Woolen interception loomed large here. When you steal seven points on defense in a game where neither defense is really making many plays, that often is going to be a deciding factor, and ultimately that's why they won by three points, getting those seven points from Tariq Woolen to start the second half. The rookie continues to come up with clutch plays. That's the second touchdown he's contributed to in the last three games, had the blocked field goal that Mike Jackson took back for a touchdown, the only points they scored against the 49ers in week two. So not a lot to be encouraged about on defense, but they did make a few big plays when they needed them in offense. I don't think you can find anything to complain about with the way they ran the ball, more than 500 total yards of offense. They should have probably had 51 points. They should have put up a 50-burger on the Lions in this game. And so really clicking on all cylinders. Geno Smith playing as well as you possibly could ask for. The run game coming together in second half of this game. The offensive line continues to play well, particularly in pass protection. Geno did not get sacked once in this game, and he was hit just three times. So this offensive line continues to play above expectations. And the offense, not really the problem. Starting to find their identity now. The defense has got to find that identity after getting ran back and forth 
by the Detroit Lions, missing all the car, the star players that they were missing on offense for them to go out and still put up the points they did, the tackling issues, the run fit problems, the coverage breakdowns, continually are hurting the Seahawks on defense. And they just can't seem to fix this issue. It looked like at the beginning of this game that they were going to have a better game on defense. But once the Lions started getting things rolling, particularly in the second half, really felt like the Seahawks defense was again functioning like a sieve and just letting the Lions do whatever they wanted so that is still something coming out of this game that you've got to be really worried about if you're a Seahawks fan but the offense looks fantastic Shane Waldron is doing a really nice job finally able to put a bunch of points on the second half scoreboard after only having 10 points in the second half in the three games combined going into this one got to be really encouraged by what you saw on that side of the ball. They were playing against the NFL's worst scoring defense, so they should have been able to put points up. But they've had their issues with execution, particularly in the red zone, three for four today. Everything was working for the Seahawks. Got to be excited on offense, defense. Keep going back to the drawing board. Maybe some personnel changes finally coming through. They got to do something to mix things up. Coming up next, I'm going to hand out my weekly game balls. Had a really tough time with this on both sides of the ball for different reasons, but going to be looking at offense, defense, and special teams. Who gets the game balls for week four? And later on in the show, our weekly three up, three down, looking at the studs and duds from the Seahawks 48-45 victory over the Lions at Ford Field. Those are coming up next year on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. We've still got a few great games on tap, and I'm predicting Patrick Mahomes will throw for 350 yards, Mike Evans will catch two touchdowns, and Debo Samuel will eclipse 125 all-purpose yards in Sunday and Monday night primetime action. Those might seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, whether it's NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, even disc golf. You can do it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Packs app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks postcast week four edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, to the 12s out there for listening to Locked On Seahawks five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks getting a big win in Detroit, snapping a two-game losing streak. High-scoring affair. It actually was a score a final score that had never happened in NFL history before. The Seahawks winning 48-45, to 45, the two teams combining for over 1,000 yards of total offense. This really was a track meet with all of the explosive plays, and it wasn't one of those games where both teams were just slinging the rock around the place. Both teams ran the football really well as well. There really just wasn't much defense being played in Motown today, and the Seahawks were able to make a few more plays than what the Lions did to move to two and two. And with the way the NFC West is playing out right now, with a lot of teams struggling, three teams were one and two going into week four. Hey, you're back at 500. You're right in the mix in the NFC West. Let's get to our game balls here for week four. And for different reasons, I had a number of different players that jumped out on offense and defense, but let's start on the offensive side of the football. And I'm going to just throw this caveat out there. I was leaning towards DK Metcalf because what a performance that he had 
almost 150 receiving yards in this game. He physically dominated Jeff Akuda on the other side of the line. Seemed like he came in with a mission and he hadn't eclipsed 70 receiving yards in any of the first three games. Goes out and goes for 149, a bunch of explosives, including a 54 yard catch, easily his longest of the season. Just seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder going in this game. He really wanted to get things going. Geno Smith was looking for him early. One of the better games he's had, he moves into 10th all-time in the Seahawks receptions list as well, so a milestone for him here early in his NFL career. But I've got to go with the guy that has been slinging the football to him, and I know Geno Smith was my pick last week for the game ball, and I don't always pick the quarterback when he has a big game. DK Metcalf certainly was deserving. You could make an argument Rashad Penny was deserving here. But here's why Geno Smith is getting the game ball. Another game above 70 percent completion rate 76 percent according to ESPN after the game at 77.3 percent Geno Smith has the highest completion percentage for any quarterback in NFL history through his first four games with at least 125 pass attempts that's how good Geno Smith has been and he was out there dropping dimes 23 for 30 320 yards second straight game with over 300 yards passing two touchdowns no turnovers also added 49 yards as a runner. And I think that's the reason ultimately that I picked him to get a game ball again, because you look at the throwing numbers, they're fantastic. And he did a great job all day, whether it was dumping it off to his tight ends or making throws downfield. There were a number of chunk plays. He was much more aggressive looking for those downfield throws. And we've seen him in the first three games and he was very effective. There were a couple other plays that could have gone for big yardage. He had DK Metcalf in the end zone looked like double or triple coverage but it was a really good throw and Metcalf kind of slowed down at the end wasn't quite able to get his hands on it but he was just slinging the pigskin all over the place today the difference maker though was his legs the first three drives he came up with big runs that helped the Seahawks score points the first drive he had a 17 yard scramble on third down that picked up a first down eventually throws a touchdown to Will Disley and it was another dime back shoulder throw Just fantastic chemistry that he's building with Will Disley right now. Very next drive, he gets an eight-yard touchdown on a running play. It was a designed QB draw in the red zone. You don't see that a lot, but he went untouched for eight yards and scores. Next drive, the Seahawks had a holding penalty and a screen go for negative five yards. It looks like they're out of field goal range. Smith is able to, on second down, pick up 13 yards as a runner. It puts the Seahawks back in the field goal range, and Jason Myers connects from 56 yards out. Those three points, they might not have gotten those without – they wouldn't have gotten without that scramble, and they won by three points. So that ended up being a pretty pivotal sequence of plays for the Seahawks. Had a couple other nice scrambles in the second half. Just showing off that dual-threat capability Geno Smith did today – with almost 50 rushing yards, had three total touchdowns. I just thought he did a masterful job running the offense. He was making some difficult throws all over the field, short, intermediate, deep passing game, you name it, mixing in the running ability and just doing a great job audibling the plays pre-snap. The touchdown for Rashad Penny, 36 yards. He audibled out of a play to that one, and he ended up scoring off it. So he is just in command of everything right now. And so he's got to get the game ball. Best game of his career. I thought he played really well last week. This week, though, made the plays down the stretch that he needed to to help the Seahawks get the win and move to 2-2. and So he is the game ball winner on offense. As for defense, second time in his young career, I'm going to go with Tariq Woolen. Gave him the game ball back in week one, just narrowly over a couple of their other players. Yatenna Nwosu actually 
was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, but I thought Woolen played really well in that game. He gets his second game ball because he was really the only player that came through with a big play on defense for the Seahawks today. Again, they gave up 45 points to an offense that was missing three of their best skill players. You just can't have that happen. But even though Woolen was not perfect, he did have two defensive penalties, getting a little bit grabby in the first half. Maybe had a, co- a couple coverages where he botched things, but the interception that he made on Jared Goff to open the second half, you got to see his full, unique skill set on display. It was a crossing route, and Jared Goff was maybe a little late getting the football there. Probably should have unloaded it a little quicker, but watching the replay and just seeing the amount of ground that the six foot four Tariq Woolen made up to jump that route in such a short amount of time, just in an instant, the amount of ground he made up, jumps that route, and then he's off to the race. It almost looked like he was jogging and running past guys while he was returning that for a 40-yard touchdown. Had a couple tackles in this game that ended up being important. Not a great game for this defense all the way around, but you win this game ball by default when you have a 40-yard touchdown. His first pick six, hopefully of many for the Seahawks, but you're seeing better ball skills than we anticipated from this kid. Only had one interception his entire college career, the two years that he was playing corner at UTSA. Ball skills for being a former receiver were not a strength of his, and yet he's finding a way to get his hands in the football. He's got two picks now in as many weeks. So the Seahawks have to be really fired up about the progress that this kid is making in the secondary, the big plays that he's coming up with just on his natural talent alone, the speed to be able to jump that route and the understanding that he seems to have the confidence that he's playing with. There's a lot to be excited there. Not many positives on the defensive side of the football, but he is certainly a player that continues to come through in the clutch. He's coming up with big plays each week for the Seahawks. And right now, I think he's in the running as a potential all-rookie team selection, even on one of the worst defense in the NFL. He's making plays, and as a fifth-round pick just going out there starting day one, Pete Carroll, that looks like a decision that is paying off big time. He's only going to get better as he continues to gain snaps and earn playing time. Now, on special teams, this was not a game that was great on special teams for the Seattle Seahawks. Jason Myers, I mentioned that missed field goal. Again, uh, that was – That harkened back memories, Robbie Gold when he was still playing for the Chicago Bears. And if you're a kicker in Chicago, the elements, once it starts turning from fall into winter, there was a game where there were 50, 60 mile an hour gusts in the stadium. And he tried to kick a short field goal. You could just see the wind pick up the ball and throw it to the sideline. That's what Jason Myers' missed field goal looked like. Now, there seemed to be some issues with a high snap there. All it takes is a little bit of a timing issue to throw a kick completely off, but he completely shanked that to the left. It was the worst kick I've ever seen Jason Myers make. Michael Dixon didn't punt once this entire game, so you can't give him special teams player. He didn't even play, really, other than being the holder on their PATs and field goals. Really no big hits. So who gets the special teams award? A guy that ultimately saved the game for the Seahawks, the onside kick for Detroit after they scored their final touchdown and cut it down to three. Nick Ballore did not manage to corral the football when he touched it short of 10 yards. No Lions touched it. So the ball was free. Detroit could have recovered that and had a chance to go down and tie or win the game. But DJ Dallas alertly got on the football and was able to corral it keep it away from Lions players and Seattle was able to take a knee after they ran out the clock. So it was, it was a decisive play. You have to give DJ Dallas that just for the awareness, 
But I think that is something the Seahawks are going to go back to this week when they're looking at their special teams tape. They're going to be watching that particular play. They don't want to be in a position again where the ball is loose like that again. Their guys up front have to be able to bring in the kick and make sure that they get on top of it and don't make it a close call like that because Pete Carroll and company, they were sweating out of the sideline once that ball squirted out of Nick Bloor's hands and it was free. The Lions easily could have recovered that and gone down and scored the way the Seahawks defense was playing for most of this game. So clutch play by DJ Dallas coming up with that recovery. Seahawks get a first down eventually with Rashad Penny burning the last time out for the Lions, taking me. That might not have happened without that onside recovery. So that was the biggest play on special teams. A day that it just really was not a great one. When you add in Tyler Lockett's fumbled punt return in the first quarter, the missed kick, wasn't a special day on special teams for the Seahawks, but DJ Dallas made the one decisive play they had to have at the end to ensure victory. Going to get to our weekly three up, three down, our studs and duds coming out of week four. We'll be getting to that here in a moment on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to a new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They're light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat. Or you can be like me and find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. It's healthy and tasty with a light, fluffy texture. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar by going to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's locked on 15 at built.com to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, postcast edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks as always, all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks moving back to 500 today. Had to sweat it out a little bit late with the Lions moving up and down the field, scoring a lot of points in the second half, made it a three-point game. Inside two minutes to play, Seahawks, though, were able to run out the clock and survive a high-scoring affair, 48-45 to victory at Ford Field. Let's get to our weekly studs and duds, our three up, three down. Of course, we got to start with the positives, three up here today from week four. Got to start with the man on the outside, DK Metcalf, monster game for him, one of his best games since coming into the league in 2019, 149 receiving yards he had four catches in the first half alone that went for at least 20 yards was a big part of the Seahawks building a halftime lead scoring more than 20 points in a half for the first time this season and he just really was a matchup nightmare for Jeff Akuda. and this is certainly a little bit of a surprise because you watch Jeff Akuda's film and you can look at the comments that DK Metcalf made earlier this week there's accuracy to it absolutely the Lions have been protecting Akuda with safety help, particularly against Justin Jefferson last week in their loss to the Vikings. But he's still been very impressive going against 
three really good receivers in Detroit's first three games. Former top five pick. He's a very talented player. But DK Metcalf was just ragdolling him a good portion of this game. You could see the physicality in the line of scrimmage, and Jeff Akuda just wasn't able to step up to that. This was not an opponent he was going to be able to have success using press man coverage against Metcalf, made him pay, beat him vertically several times. And so he was able to dominate this one-on-one matchup. And this is what the Seahawks expect from DK Metcalf. Not that he's going to go out and have 149 receiving yards every single game, but he hadn't even gotten past 70 in their first three, and they had to find a way. How can we get DK Metcalf the football and take advantage of his big playability? Because that's really what's been missing is those downfield strikes, and they were able to get a bunch of those in this game to DK Metcalf. Easily his best game of the season. They're hoping that this is just a start and that Geno Smith's going to be able to get the ball to him downfield more. He can create after the catch, different things like that. This, they're hoping, is the stepping stone for him to continue playing at the level they expect, given his stature as one of the 10 highest-paid receivers in the league, one of the most talented receivers in the league. They expect him to have 100-plus yards regularly, and it had been a long time since he hit the century mark. So good sign for the Seahawks offense and DK Metcalf coming out of this game. And the second guy here, Noah Fant. Noah Fant did not have the gaudy numbers that DK Metcalf did. Only a couple of catches in this game. He did score his first touchdown, however, and that came right after Metcalf's 54-yard reception. And Geno Smith rolled out and kind of faked out multiple defenders, had a little bit of a pump fake, and then suddenly Noah Fant is wide open. It really crossed up multiple defenders, and Fant reels it in for a two-yard touchdown. But the reason I have Noah Fant on this list today isn't just because of that touchdown catch. That obviously helped his cause, but there were several nice runs today where Noah Fant came through with really good blocks, and that is not something that he is known for in his game. In fact, you look back at scouting reports coming out of Iowa, that was the thing that concerned teams, that this is one of those stretch tight ends that isn't going to be an inline blocker. You're not going to be able to move him around much in a blocking capacity. He's proving that he can do that, and it looks like an area of his game that he's really been working at hard, but he had a couple nice kickout blocks in this game. He had one where he was out in front leading Ken Walker that he ended up springing him for a 13-yard gain. So I've been really impressed with what I've seen with those little things from Noah Fant. The receiving numbers have not been there to this point, but feels like he's going to start getting a little more involved in the passing game and you're seeing him improve as a run blocker the Seahawks asked their tight ends to be competent in all areas you have to be able to run block to play for this team and Noah Fan is proving that he can do that maybe not as a true inline tight end but you can move him to the h-back spot he can be in the slot and you can do some stuff with him where he can go up against linebackers corner and safeties and he can seal them he can make those blocks And so I've been really impressed with what I've seen. I thought today he made several key blocks in the run game and obviously contributed in the passing game too with that touchdown reception and a couple other grabs. So he's starting to figure things out. One of these days he's going to have a big game as a receiver where he's going to have 50, 60 receiving yards. That has not happened yet, but he's making the plays that aren't necessarily in the box score as a blocker. And you're seeing his overall impact on this offense. So kudos to Noah Fant. And last but not least on defense, I did add one off or one defensive player, and Uchenna Osu was a player that I actually considered for player of the game because he did have a sack on Jared Goff. He had a sack on a two-point conversion that got wiped out by a holding penalty against Sidney Jones. He continues to be extremely disruptive off the edge for the Seahawks. And he made the mistake last week on the long Corderell Patterson run of allowing Patterson to have a big crease backside. He played that too far upfield. 
But you take that play out of the equation. He's been consistent setting the edge. Teams aren't running at him. They're running at Daryl Taylor's side. They have not been running much towards him. He has been physical at the point of attack. He's winning as a pass rusher, both with finesse and power. He's had some good bull rushes today. That's how he got his sack was overpowering the tackle and getting into the backfield. So he continues to make big plays. I think that it's not an understatement. I know we're just four games in the season, but this might be the best free agent signing that John Schneider has made since Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett came in 2013. Ironically, pass rushing position, a little different defensive scheme, but he's having that kind of an impact for a defense. It's got a lot of holes. They're struggling in a lot of different areas, but this is one of the guys that has week in, week out played at a high level. He's finding ways to get out of the quarterback. He's playing solid run defense. They need other players to step up around him and Tariq Woolen so that this team can maybe start to have some progress on defense. Echenonuosu is not part of the problem. There's been a few bad plays mixed in there, uh, but he has been a fantastic addition to this defense and continues to make plays in the backfield as a pass rusher and a run defender. Kudos to him. Another really good game for number 10. Now to three down. This is going to be the first time this year that I have done this. I typically have at least one player on offense and one or two players on defense. This is going to be all defense, though. I don't have a player on the offensive side of the ball. You can nitpick. There might have been a few missed blocks by offensive linemen that could have landed somebody on this list, but you put up 48 points. The offense had over 500 total yards of offense. Nobody deserves to be on the three-down list. They ran the ball well. They were catching the football well. They were creating after the catch. Geno Smith was dialed in, winging the ball over the place. But on defense, the vast majority of the units struggled. You have to have issues across the board when you give up 45 points to a team that's missing their top two receivers and their number one running back. And yet Jared Goff was able to work up and down the field at will. I've got to start at the safety position, and I've been picking on him. Josh Jones had a great training camp in preseason, but that is not transitioned into the regular season. And it just feels like week in, week out, we're seeing Josh Jones miss tackles. The 51-yard touchdown run by Jamal Williams, for example, he had an opportunity to step up and trip him up. And it just seems like he's just leaping at ball carrier's feet. He's not even keeping his feet. He's not getting a breakdown. And so he's just kind of flinging his body, diving at guys. And you can't get away with that consistently in the NFL he has got to do a better job of wrapping up ball carriers and staying on his feet. Avoid leaping at guys. That tells you the kind of pursuit angles that he's taking, that he's putting himself in those positions. It really has been a struggle. I thought Ryan Neal made a few plays today, but he had the same problems. Ryan Neal's pursuit angles were not great on several occasions. He missed a few tackles. So his might have been rust. He hasn't played much this year. He's coming off a high ankle sprain that cost him all of the preseason and most of training camp. But Regardless, the other safety position without Jamal Adams, they're having a lot of trouble finding somebody that can step in and consistently make plays. And Jones left a lot of tackles on the field today. Again, his coverage has been inconsistent at best. He got exposed a little bit with TJ Hawkinson going up against him today. So they need more from Jones or they need to give the controls over to Ryan Neal. Again, Neal did not play great today. He did have a nice tackle that forced a fourth down in the first quarter. Unfortunately, the Seahawks weren't able to take advantage of that, but he made a few plays today. They need somebody to step up there, though, and play at a higher level. Josh Jones right now is just not getting it done. The same can be said in the middle. Cody Barton, 
I hate having the same players on this list two weeks in a row in the case of Jones and Barton, but Barton had another really rough game and he was around the football a bit more than he was against the Falcons last week. But the play that really jumps out that tells you all you need to know about where he's at right now is their other starting inside linebacker next to Jordan Brooks. The Detroit Lions dump it off to TJ Hawkinson in the second half. I believe this play happened late in the third quarter. Dump it off to Hawkinson, and Barton is in position to push him out of bounds just short of the first down marker. It didn't have to be a big gain, and yet his shove, Hawkinson was able to power through that without getting pushed out of bounds, and then suddenly Barton is in trail behind him and can't catch him. And it was just an embarrassing play. For him not to be able to, first off, get the runner pushed out of bounds. And I know Hawkinson's a big, strong guy, but he was right out of bounds, right next to the out of bounds. You've got to be able to push him out. The linebacker, any linebacker in the NFL needs to be able to do that. you got to be able to shove him out of bounds and limit the yards after the catch. Instead, this play ended up going for 81 yards down to the Seahawks' four-yard line, and they were able to score a couple plays later. That simply cannot happen. You can't have plays like that. And there were other guys that had a chance to tackle Hawkinson who didn't get it done in this play either. But Barton is your number one culprit on this because, for one, he had a chance to get the tackle, pushing the runner out, didn't get it done. And then he's in trail position, somehow can't catch up with him, and he's running from behind. It just it was an awful play. And there were a few other times that he, again, got absorbed by blocks, wasn't able to shed those blocks, and allowed big gains in the run game. So they just aren't getting enough from him at linebacker right now there's too many missed plays too many missed opportunities with him on the field right now they don't have a lot of options to really replace him so it's a difficult situation for the Seahawks defense but he continues to struggle in the interior they need better play from him he played okay in week one it's really been downhill since that game against the Broncos though and teams they've been watching the film they're seeing the struggles they're putting him in covered situations that he's struggling against they're running right at him. They're getting blockers on him at the second level, and he has not been able to adjust to that. So it's getting to be push time here a little bit for the Seahawks. If he doesn't improve and start playing better, they're going to have to figure something out, whether that's trading for somebody before the deadline, signing somebody off the free agent scrap heap, getting John Radigan back healthy, whatever it is. He's got to step up his game. Too many plays being left on the field at an important position for the Seahawks. And staying on defense, Mike Jackson's actually been on three up previously this season I thought he had a tough game today Detroit was without their top two receivers and yet Jackson got picked on several times and he was rotating in and out Sidney Jones replaced him for most of the second and third quarter playing left corner and I didn't think Sidney Jones played very well to be honest I think you could have maybe had him on here had a couple of penalties Jackson had a penalty in the end zone and the receivers still end up holding on to the football he got out muscled for the football we have not seen Mike Jackson do that in training camp or in games previously. His physicality has been one of his strong points. You didn't see that in this game. He wasn't coming up and making the plays in the run game we've seen. So maybe he's kind of hit that wall here where he's now started four games. There's been some good moments, but maybe he's at that peak or that plateau where he's trying to figure out how to get his game to the next level. Can he get his game to the next level? Is Sidney Jones ready to take that job back? I didn't see anything today that suggested to me that he is. Maybe Artie Burns is that guy. He did not dress today as a healthy scratch. I mean, there's some questions there. They don't have questions at right corner. Tariq Woolen's playing really well. The mistakes you'll live with because he's a rookie, especially when he's returning interceptions for touchdowns. But 
Jackson's play has kind of leveled off a little bit, and I thought he struggled in this football game like a lot of the defense for the Seahawks. And maybe he comes back next week, bounces back against the Saints and plays better, uh, but they might want to explore the possibility. It looks like they're already doing it by rotating Sidney Jones in, trying to figure out if maybe they need to do something a little bit different at that left cornerback position as they head towards the midway point of the 2022 season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Rob Rang and I will be back tomorrow with our Monday musings, more in-depth takeaways after we have a chance to rewatch the film and look back at this track meet that the Seahawks won against the Lions on Sunday. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Go Hawks.